Any opinions expressed are my own and do not reflect the opinions of anyone outside of Independent Left Media, LLC. Independent Left dot News. Independent Left News. Indie Left News. Independent Left News. Oh, yeah, and I get news from Independent Left. Thank you, Independent Left dot News. They actually put up posts of different shows, different things going on. Check out Indie Left. They're doing a lot of good things. They're on Twitter and Instagram, and they've helped promote our show a lot. Thanks for the work you do behind the scenes, too. This man does our Discord and some other help, so I just love to shout him out. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. They kind of really do a great job of pushing. Thank you, Independent Left, for reminding me of that. Check out independentleft.news. Hey guys, what's going on? Well, Reef is working on a little technical stuff, but this is Indy. What's going on? Hi. I see we got some fam here. It is Sunday night. It is How Did We Miss That? And we're excited to be here just like we are every Sunday. And yeah, we're one week away from our anniversary stream, believe it or not. This is like the 51st week since we started doing a show. That's pretty exciting. Um, <clears throat> so, again, we've got some fam in chat already. Shelly, how are you? Oz, Ghost Star, Kelly, Gira. Wow, we got a lot of people here. This is great. Colin, Anthony. Wow, we got everybody here. All right. Holy crap. Bunch of people. Beautiful. All right. So, we got some stories. Unfortunately, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to say Misty, unfortunately, is not going to be able to join us. Don't know exactly what's going on, but, uh, but uh, we love her, and we totally understand she has a ton of stuff happening, and it was a crazy weekend. We were hoping she was going to be able to make it. She told me the other day that she, that there was a chance she wouldn't be able to. So we're going to get going. But in the meantime, welcome to How Do We Miss That? Uh, How Do We Miss That is a show Sorry, me. I'm Indy Left. I'm the host, and I get this guy sitting next to me, Reef Breland. He's the uh, the host of Reefer After Dark when it, when it runs every once in a while on Friday nights. And INN News, which runs every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on INN Network. And we are live on INN, on uh, Rumble, on INN Rumble, on all the INN channels except for Rockfin. We're going to only run it on Indie Left Rockfin and give that a little bit of exclusivity and give people a reason to go to Indie Left Rockfin, which we are live on rockfin.com slash News. You'll see that in the ticker, maybe, maybe not. Thank you to all of our patrons and all of our supporters and everybody who's donated on all the different platforms all their names are going to be shouted out in the ticker, but also want to shout out again, Big Bad Crab, Phantomos Fanto, every week. Okay, we we've got Chris and we've got we've got Fred over on on the social media that's sharing everything, and of course this guy sitting next to me over there without without him, whom the engineering and all the other stuff wouldn't happen. Um, but we do have some really important stories to get to. Um, you're doing a Queen's Wave. Are you are you are you able to okay we do have reef sound yay he's he's a little smoky but but he's here um luckily we we, we almost had that thing every i'm sure everybody's had it with the cable box where like you watch tv and the audio doesn't line up with the video and you're watching the the, the mouth move and then a second later you're hearing the audio well that was what was happening with reef about a minute before we were about supposed to go live and i'm like um Maybe we should try to fix that. So he had to reset something, and as the theme song was going, we we got him back. So thankfully, we've got Reef. We've got everybody ready to go. Let me make sure that you've also got your cable seat. A guest is on, so when we do play stuff through, <clears throat> you'll be able to hear it. In the meantime, I got some big stories, so let's get to those. Okay. So first off, uh, we've got our our thumbnail here. We got three different stories. One about Starbucks, one about Amazon, and one about free and, and Julian Assange and what's happening with, with, with the Assange trial, the extradition, and what happened with CIA agent that was that, that that was convicted this week. So let's get to it. All right. So first story. We have Unicorn Riot. Okay. Awesome outlet out of Minnesota. Uh they also have been covering foreign coverage on on Gaza, Palestine, West Bank stuff. They've covered police shootings all over the country. They've covered line three and pipeline stuff. So what they were talking about, what they were covering this time was recently unionized Minneapolis Starbucks workers conduct two day strike, right? Ellie Zimmerman, she's a contributor to Unicorn Riot, right? So this is the thing and you can see the, the notice that's up on the window. Okay. So so that that is the corner of 47th and Cedar. Quiet for the first time after spirited drumming and chants of what's disgusting? Union busting. Love that. From July 31st and August 1st. 
Okay, employees of Cedar Avenue Starbucks returned to work after a two-day strike protests of the company's refusal to bargain with the newly formed union, as well as what workers say are backhanded attempts to undermine union efforts. We know this has been going on. We've been covering this for weeks, right? So, mm -hmm. baristas and shift supervisors united to raise grievances against the manager of the location, Starbucks Corporate, for difficult working conditions. Okay, and low pay, of course. And low pay is still probably $17 an hour would be my guess. I mean, Starbucks doesn't have awful, awful pay, but they're going to they're gonna address that here. All right. Direction from the top is an unjust system we refuse to participate in. You're complicit in that system. Again, perhaps you see yourself as a better manager than others for doing the bare minimum of legally required actions to aid our union. But we aren't authorized, uh, unionized to ask for the bare minimum. We unionize because we demand a living, not survival. We demand a genuine and honest discussion between corporate and union representatives, and we demand a better store environment now. I mean, that's that's what I like to hear, and that's what we need to be seeing, and, and that's strong statements from the workers, right? And this is the actual letter itself, and uh, you'll be able to, again, uh, see all that. We'll have that in the show notes and everywhere else af afterwards in the sub stack. You'll be able to see it. And these again are in the Unicorn Riot. And uh, hold on, if I give Reef the link to the Google Doc, he'll be able to get all the links. Do that real quick. Here you go, dude. Okay, so let's keep going. Understaffing and inconsistent scheduling practices have been a recurring issue at the store, according to workers, though they say it has escalated in recent months. No surprise. Casey Copeland, Starbucks barista and trainer of three years, said. They quote generally when we're when we're really busy, we have two to three partners on the bar. There have been several days that someone's been the only person on the bar. Imagine one barista making every single drink for every single person that comes here for hours. It's exhausting. We're burnt out. It's a busy corner street in a in a main in a main metropolitan city. She and her colleagues allege that Starbucks continually expects each employee to pick up the work that used to be allocated to multiple people, often leaving them with no choice but to stay past the end of their shift, while Starbucks sidesteps the bargaining structure required by U.S. labor law. So, here they go. Back in May, the Cedar at Starbucks joined a, a fast number of unionized Starbucks locations, right? We're up to more than over 300, according to this. The first one, of course, we know was in Buffalo. We covered that. Um... They've been going through Starbucks Workers United, SEIU affiliate. Follow them um, on Twitter at SB Workers United. They're, they're on Twitter. You can follow them. Great account. Support the workers fully. 219 of these stores voted to approve the union. 46 have actually rejected it, which you don't really hear about very much. And the rest still have elections in progress. But still, it's an overwhelming, you know, three out of four are voting to unionize. In May, the Cedar, store, Cedar Avenue store voted 14 to 3, so it wasn't even close. Shortly thereafter, what a surprise. Workers say the conditions declined even further from what they had come to expect in terms of staffing numbers and scheduling issues. Stores opening was shifted 30 minutes later on weekends after most of the morning shift employees joined the organizing committee, shortening the morning shifts. Certain employees taken off the schedule outright for days at a time. Okay, this is retaliation. This is how they get even with, with the employees. Though similar uni unilateral decisions from management have gone uncontested before, the difference is this time that workers had a newfound familiarity with their protections under the NLRA. In the wake of their unionizing effort, as Copeland said, maybe it's just a coincidence, but it's a lot of coincidences, you know? And of course, we know in life there are no coincidences, and the difference between conspiracy theory and fact is usually about 18 months, if that. So... As outlined, additionally, as outlined in the NLRA, it's the responsibility of both employees, employers and employees to confer in good faith respect, with respect to wages, hours, and other terms and conditions of employment, which, of course, we know isn't happening. Once the employees are represented by a labor union, Starbucks may not make unilaterally decisions around things like store hours and hiring practices without a bargaining process, actions which employees at the Cedar Avenue store may have continued and even escalated since the union formed. Strike was only planned to last two days because of Starbucks retaliatory responses to organized stores during the union push in the past several months. So then you have Emily Mahoney. She's a supervisor who worked with the company for five years. The main reason behind the strategy of a contained strike is to avoid firings. Right, quote, we don't want anybody to get fired. Legally, 
If we say we're striking over an unfair labor practice, here's why we're starting, here's when we're ending, that's just less retaliation for against everybody. We've seen other folks get fired in more high-profile stores, and that makes the people a little nervous. Understandable. Nobody wants to lose their job. So there's a photo taken by Unicorn Riot. Again, great, great outlet. Please support them. They're independent. If you can donate to them, unicornriot.ninja is their website. I love that name. UR underscore ninja is their um, Twitter handle. So again, they were there on the ground, took pictures of the workers striking, of the of the Starbucks themselves. Then they go back and they talk about how in 2019, workers at a Philly Starbucks location began a union drive only to be discharged from their positions after the company, quote, closely monitored their public social media activity, attempted to gauge employees' support for the employees' efforts, and lawfully spot, unlawfully spied on protected conversations one of the employees initiated with the coworkers. According to a 2021 NLRB ruling in favor of the baristas. So this has actually already been decided upon, right? Though the company was penalized for unlawful union retaliation on, in the 2019 effort, this most recent wave of worker organizing has faced more subtle pushback from Starbucks corporate. What do you mean? Well, in, 20, in October 2020, Unicorn Riot reported on Starbucks at 1900 Market Street, Philly, where an employee filed a complaint with the NLRB alleging, alleging that she was punished with a reduction in hours for organizing a strike and was told not to discuss working conditions with her co-workers. What? Schultz said in the town hall, that's the, the CEO Howard Schultz, said in the town hall this spring that Starbucks is, quote, being assaulted in many ways by the threat of unionization and that employees should have no need for a union at a company that listens so well to their needs, except that if they did... We wouldn't have all the 14 to 3 votes to unionize because there's clearly a problem and, and a miscommunication here. Schultz refers to the union like it's an out like an outside force that's coming in. Actually, it's your five-year, your 10-year partners who are out here saying enough is enough. The longer people have been here, the easier it is to convince them. Starbucks has started to close down stores, as we've also reported on in several major cities through Truth Out, through other outlets that are in various stages of organizing, including Washington, D.C. and Seattle. Company cites safety concerns as the reason behind the closures, though many workers and union representatives say that the move is thinly veiled attempt to discourage union activity. We all know that that's what's happening. So to further subdue union efforts, Starbucks announced in May that all tenured employees will receive a wage increase and enhanced training. However, because the NLRA pro prohibits unilateral decision-making at unionized stores, the company said these benefits will not apply to union employees without a bargaining process. Nice. Understood. Starbucks is currently facing complaints of over 200 violations of the NLRA, including one from a Minneapolis location, 5351 Lindale Ave South, filed on July 18th, alleging coercive actions and statements restricting employers' right to self-organization. So for now, workers at the Cedar Rapids store said all their energy is focused on bringing Starbucks management to the negotiating table to sign a contract that will ensure sustainable working conditions and equitable pay. Quote, it's hard to, to even fathom a world where we won't all be struggling for money anymore, is what Tristan Copeland said. And that's terrible. Um, and unfortunately, my, my experience is what they're probably going to end up doing is getting rid of them. But... Ideally, we won't be flat broke every week on Saturday after our check came out Friday because we had to pay all our bills. And that's definitely a longer and bigger fight. But I think this is an important step. I do think that forcing Howard Schultz to pay people at least enough that they can afford to live would be ideal. It's the bare minimum that they owe us at this point. Honestly, we make them all of their money. Well, no, they make just as much money selling packaged coffee and bottled drinks and other stuff, but the stores are one of the drivers. No, no, uh, again, this is the way that, this is what corporate would yell at them. So even with their tightly focused demands, both Copeland and Mahoney said that the scope of the movement that they've entered in is important to them, right? When the next strike happens, whoever it is, we will show up because they've all showed up for us like you see today with all these people out here. And that's super inspiring. Like there are people that do support these, these workers. In the days since the strike ended, work, workers, of course, say that they've seen very little change. The new store schedules remain in effect, and they still struggle to adequately fill the shifts. Copeland said that their manager reached out to them to address the week that they were removed from the schedule, and directly following 
the strike claiming that it was an accidental oversight. <laughs> Still, they said that tensions within with the store's manager and corporate Starbucks are running high as a result of how they handled the strike, along with the continued poor daily working conditions. No surprise. Mahoney said that while the days on the picket line brought hope and inspiration for what's possible to the members of their union, workers are prepared for a scenario in which the initial strike is not enough for Starbucks to negotiate for a fair contract. Yeah, what's next? I think it's going to take a couple of more strikes, she said. Mm -hmm. There are a few more stores around the country that are, that are on strike now. All of us working together that are on that really large scale is what's going to help. If you have a massive store walkout, nationwide or even regional an entire state of starbucks workers walks out that's a major statement and she says i'm hoping starbucks makes the right choice and comes to the bargaining table but so far my hopes have been in vain i imagine we might have to end up out here again man yep. <clears throat> i feel bad for misty i feel bad for for all these the these employees out here that are making drinks. They just want to survive. They just want to feed their families. They just want to work some hours. Um, there are solidarity funds. Again, Starbucks, SB Workers United at on Twitter. Follow them, and they'll have links to solidarity funds. Um, you got to be careful. Even I, I've seen people walk into Starbucks and like try to hype up the union and, and like say union now or something my name my first name's union my last name's now and they're like dude don't say that because that'll get me in trouble the cameras like literally it's like court, you know, big brothers watching at all times dude mm -hmm. just to make coffee to make people flipping coffee and provide a customer experience that's what this is it's all in the name of we're all supposed to know that that's it's illegal to fire someone for trying to make a union yet you know like they tend to fire i mean unless you have like the whole right to work situation which they can just fire you because they want to you know so like, yep i don't know but anyway yeah unfortunately big man crab welcome no misty tonight uh you know we don't know what it, it, we i didn't get a chance to talk to her reef talk to her but but we love her and we wish her well and we she, she'll be here soon you know we we're going to talk about the the october yeah, probably, you know, it's been a rough weekend, but we're going to talk about uh, the October 8th action that she's planning in D.C. in addition to the worldwide action that's happening and um, uh, around Julian Assange. And that'll be one of our, our stories later on. But also part of this story having to do with Starbucks, and it is a two-parter, is that Starbucks has also asked for all union elections in its stores to be halted. And again... You may have missed that this week because in all the hubbub and all the craziness and all of the drama that's being caused elsewhere, um, it seems that a lot of these labor stories are getting missed and and passed over. And maybe people are throwing their hands up because they don't know what to do or they don't think that there's anything that they can do. But these people are struggling and these people are suffering and their stories need to be told and they need to be heard. And they need to, uh, somebody's got to try to help. Turn me Go for it. Discord a little bit too. Turn you up in Discord. Okie doke. Yeah. Just a tad. That'll work. Thank you, everybody. Here you go. Hey, hey. Okay. So, our friend Sharon Zhang over at Truthout <clears throat> wrote this one. Mm -hmm. Again, with over 200 unionized stores and dozens of pending un union elections, Starbucks has requested that the NLRB suspend all union elections within the company, a move that the union, of course, says is absurd. In a letter that Starbucks sent on Monday, which is co-signed by legal counsel from a notorious union-busting firm, Littler Mendelssohn, the company alleges that the NLRB colluded to give organizers privileged information about a union election at a store in Overland Park, Kansas, and allowed employees at that store to vote in person at NLRB offices during a mail-in ballot election. The company says that it's gotten this information through an internal NLRB source. The company asks that the hearing on challenge balance from the store's election, which is slated for Tuesday, be delayed. They're also requesting that elections be halted temporarily until the NLRB investigates the investigations, the allegations, 
which uh, that the staffers who allegedly helped the union be disciplined and that all ongoing and future elections be conducted in person. The company argues that this has happened in regions beyond that of the Overland Park store. Okay, Starbucks Workers United condemned the letter, saying that it's yet another instance of the company attempting to quell the union campaign. Union busting is disgusting. All right, quote, This is Starbucks yet again attempting to distract attention away from their unprecedented anti-union campaign, including firing over 75 union leaders across the country, while simultaneously trying to halt all union elections, the union wrote in a statement. Union leader mm -hmm. Michelle Eisen said that the fact that Starbucks would request that elections be delayed while, cla while claiming to stand up for voting rights is hypocrisy at its finest. And they're talking about the stuff, of, you know, the Voting Rights Act and um, all the adjustments that they were trying to do to the ballots um, for U.S. elections. Quote, unfortunately, it's now in vogue for the losers of some elections nationwide to attempt to reverse elections by any means that they think are necessary, and Starbucks is taking a page out of this book. Again, okay. The union added, noting that it was odd for Starbucks to send its letter just one day before the Kansas hearing is set to begin. Hmm. <clears throat> Indeed, labor experts say that the goal of the letter is to delay elections, which would give the company more time to dissuade workers from voting yes, throw the NLRB's legitimacy into question, and potentially sow suspicion between workers. They also want to have the workers do that. They want to have this voting in person so they can see who's voting what. Spokesperson Kayla Blatto says that the NLRB will be, quote, carefully and objectively reviewing Starbucks' challenge, adding that the agency has well-established processes to raise challenges regarding the handling of both election matters and unfair practice cases, labor practice cases. So Starbucks claims in its letter that union elections have been skewed against the company due to misconduct, the union has decried what it says are the many illegal union-busting practices that the company's waged against workers since the start of their campaign last year. Okay, The company's fired over 75 pro-union workers and discriminately, discriminatorily given, given wage raises to all stores except for the unionizing ones, moves that the union says are illegal. As a result, there are currently 284 unfair labor practice charges against Starbucks. The NLRB, which is in the process of prosecuting the company, has issued 16 complaints against Starbucks in total. These complaints include findings by the agency that the company violated federal labor laws in more than 200 times during the union's initial push, just in Buffalo, and then 500 times in total. Yeah. <clears throat> On the other hand, there are two open filings with the NLRB against Starbucks Workers United. Two against 286. And earlier this month, the NLRB dismissed Starbucks' allegation that union organizers in Phoenix had blocked store entrances and made threats during a rally this spring. The other one, I believe, was in Staten Island, where they're challenging. Meanwhile, the co meanwhile, the company or... Uh, Hall of Justice? Yes, yes. Back in the Hall of Justice. No, yeah, but not at all. Back in the Hall of Evil, the company appears to be delaying bargaining with the with already unionized stores for their first contracts, like we just talked about in Minnesota. Of the 221 stores that won their election so far, only three have had their first bargaining sessions with the company, the union says. But none have finalized. Hmm. <clears throat> so, none have finalized. It's so... I drink Dunkin'. I mean, how does finalization work? Um, <clears throat> you know, they actually come to a um, an agreement between the the union the unionized store and right. corporate on a set of working conditions, a set of operating hours, a set of minimum requirements, pay, etc. That will be acceptable to all of the workers and actually show that they give a crap more than starbucks saying that they give a crap not a complete unilateral thing um and yeah um oh so let's see what do we got minusma make it mass okay it's gonna say that so much of thwarting these unionization efforts gets a hand from these courts in the big picture it's, unfortunately what you have is the Trump-appointed judges at the federal level now over the last couple of years that now you've got much more, many more right-wing, corporate-friendly judges that are much more anti-worker and anti-union, 
And that's a concern. So I'm a little worried that the courts are potentially going to side more with unions in this case. Um, and we're going to talk some more about unions right now. Um, let's take a look at some chat, though. Uh, Valerie, good to see you. How are you, Valerie? How, hi. I see you. Adam, good to see you. Minkus. Kelly in the chat. Kelly, what's up? Good to see everybody. Frankie, Lee, and Gira Brown. And Colin we've got, in there too. And we got Care Bears and INN. Everybody mm -hmm. go check out Indie News Network. We are a family of 23 content creators of all different shapes, sizes, colors, and flavors. IndieNews.network at GetIndieNews on the Twitters. And that is my family. I love those guys. Everybody in there. Uh, Reef sitting next to me is one of them. As well as Rob Durden mm -hmm. and, you know, Jesse Jett and Tara Reed and so many. Again, all the members you can find, all the member links at IndieNews.network. There's a member's links and they'll, you'll be able to see a list of everybody. Tommy Nation, everyone. Great, great fam. So the next uh, story I wanted to get to real quick. What flavor am I? Oh, Big Man Crab. He's definitely crab flavored. He's crab flavored potato chips. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The Zatarain's crawfish flavored one. And a little spicy. That's right. A little or, on the spicy um, side. A little on the spicy side. A little yeah. on the spicy side. We love it. We, we love our crab. All right. So next, we have got... What's going on with Amazon? Jesus Christ. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Jesus Christ. So, in a good thing, Amazon workers in Albany file a petition to unionize. Yay! Here we go. Hey. Another Sharon Janger. Well, I love Sharon Zhang. She's awesome. So here's the workers in rally. This was at the Staten Island LDJ, LDJ5 uh, rally that unfortunately our friends uh, AOC and Bernie happened to be at that, that did not lead to a victory, but still happened. <laughs> Amazon mm -hmm. workers near Albany have officially filed a union petition with the NLRB to join the ALU after workers, after workers announced that their union campaign last month, according to the NLRB. If the workers are successful, they'll form the company's second ever union, joining the Staten Island union uh, workers who voted to unionize in March after a groundbreaking union led by ALU and independent union. According to the NLRB, the filing covers about 400 employees at the ALB1 warehouse. Unionizing employees need to gather signatures from at least 30% of the union, unit in order to qualify for a union election. In order to win the union, more than half the vote will have to be for the union. Like other Amazon workers who filed to unionize, workers are seeing better working conditions and higher pay. What a surprise. The main concerns I hear from workers about wages and safety, Heather Goodall, a lead union organizer in the campaign, told the Washington Post. Besides that, there's no job security. There's no way to rest on a 15-minute break. Workers want to be able to use the bathroom freely. Right. So when ALU announced the union campaign in July... The union wrote that, quote, Amazon has exploited us for too long. The only way we can pressure Amazon into treating us with respect is by uniting and forming a worker-led union. Well, we'd love to see the workers seize the means of production. So this is a good first step. The company has tried to pressure workers against voting for the union by posting anti-union flyers, messages on TV screens in the warehouse. Really? Come on. It's also held meetings that ran a slideshow with misleading claims that you do, that unions are a business that sell a service. Union lawyers so far have filed at least five unfair labor practice charges against the company and have accused it of illegal union busting. What a surprise. Right. The company said in a statement that, quote, it's opposed to unionization for its employees and that its focus remains on working directly with our team to continue making Amazon a great place to work. Yeah. Talk to some of the people in the warehouses because they won't tell you the same thing. At least not when the cameras are watching. No. If, the if the filing is certified by the NLRB, the Albany warehouse will be the fourth in the company to undergo a union vote. Another Staten Island area warehouse seeking to join ALU voted against unionizing in May after the company led a fierce union busting campaign. And of course, politicians got involved. In March, yep. in March, Bessemer, Alabama, Amazon workers vote to join the RDSU or WDSU ended up being too close to call with hundreds of contested ballots that are still being investigated by the NLRB. This was the second election for the Bessemer workers 
Last year, the NLRB ordered a rerun election for the warehouse after finding that Amazon had illegally interfered with the union campaign. I know we covered that extensively, too. I mean, that was just, that was yeah. gross. They were literally stopping people. They changed the, the patterns on the traffic lights so that the union leaders could not stop the people at the traffic light to ask them questions about unionizing. That's how far they went. They worked with the leaders of the town to change the traffic light pattern. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the, the first unionized warehouse is in limbo as the labor board reviews Amazon's objection to the union's win in Staten Island at JFK 8, delaying the bargaining process. Amazon's been cracking down on the union inside the warehouse in the meantime, firing several worker organizers and refusing to recognize the union. Wow, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm hmm And now I want to talk about my friend Matt. This well, guy. You'll get a chance soon. No, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Matt soon, but but we we posted up a tweet. I posted up a tweet. Originally, Lucy got Chris Smalls' attention about a week and a half ago um, about his trip to L.A. And he responded by saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm organizing and whatever. And I said, look, Chris, uh, we've been trying to talk to people at the union, anybody, whether it's you. Is there anybody besides you, Derek, Angela, Angelica, whatever name, uh, uh, or your assistant who you've put us in touch with? that we can talk to. We'd love to talk to some of the workers, some of the leaders uh, at different warehouses around the country. Um, we want to learn how we can help and what we can do. And this, thank goodness, this this gentleman, this this great dude stepped up and said, yeah, I'll talk to you. I'd love to. And we set up a meeting and we set up a time to record a, a, an interview and Colin and I had a great conversation with him, and unfortunately, we had some audio issues on my side. And operator error. You played yourself. Yes, I did play myself. Operator error, uh, unfortunately. And we lost a good portion of the interview. We're going to see what we can salvage from it, but we're going to redo the interview this week. Unfortunately, as a follow up, and what happened further on the story was that the next day after we did our interview, this gentleman started doing a couple spaces on Twitter, saying that he's organizing for ALU Kentucky. And on Friday afternoon, this happened. After months of organizing and facing retaliation from Amazon, I have been terminated. Today, not even 10 minutes into my shift, rest assured we're going to keep organizing, and this is going on my long list of unfair labor practice charges against Amazon. And there's a retaliation what fund. The there. fuck? Yeah. So... There has been no response yet, honestly, that I've heard from Amazon Labor Union, which is really sad. Yeah, um, so far, which this happened August Friday. 19th, right? This it's happened Friday. First. They, fire you, they always fire you on a Friday. Mm -hmm. But what I want to do is put a um, um, this Twitter in the chat, and I also want to put a link to the Solidarity Fund for him and for the... Amazon labor workers in that facility. That's the Campbellsville, Kentucky facility. Again, we got a little bit of a whiff of what was going on in that location. Um, it again, I took two pages of notes during this uh, conference during during this interview as well. There were so many little things that they're doing. Um, but mostly it's about hours allocation and not giving people consistent shifts. And then keeping them again, it's it's very similar to what we're hearing in Starbucks, and and then the Campbellsville facility where they currently are located. And again, and we'll talk about this, and I'll let Matt talk more about this when we talk next. Um, there was a ton of it doesn't have the automation that some of the newer facilities have because it was one of the original Amazon uh, centers, fulfillment centers, and they so the workers are walking fifteen to twenty miles per day to pick items in that facility. Mm -hmm. And that's unlike most of the other facilities. So I wanted to mention what's happening over there. Uh, union busting is disgusting. Did any, of them, did any of them ask for like any, any drip? Like maybe, maybe some drip will help. Maybe some, well, yeah. well it's drip. He, he could, he could use some cash dripped into his account for sure. Um, sure. Maybe some merch. Maybe maybe some merch will help. Yeah, maybe I don't think merch, merch is going to help him pay his bills right now, but merch sales Damn. might. 
Um, so even if it's like Gucci merch, even if it's like Gucci, I well, mean, well, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I see what I see what you're trying to do here. Uh, okay, so okay. again, Matt from the Amazon SDF one, and and again, support Matt, support you know workers always, especially ones who are retaliated against for trying to organize their coworkers. We're gonna get him back, and and we're gonna have a conversation, and we're excited to do that. And I feel just awful that we didn't get a chance to get that aired before this happened. Um, and we certainly will talk to him afterwards, and we one hundred percent. Um, in the strongest way, you know, uh, are, are against what Amazon is doing here. Could not be more. Uh, what what's the word? It's 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 not condone. It's the other it's the other word. We're not condoning what they're doing at all. Hundred percent. We're completely against yeah. what they're doing here. Um, and yeah. someone will throw it in the chat. Yeah, screw these guys. Screw them. Yeah. Treat your workers right. Give them. Yeah. Give them. You me. Give them better hours. And again. He hadn't been working there like for five minutes. This guy, you know, I, yeah. it had been it had been at least six months. They, he talked about being hired as a blue shirt versus a white shirt, and you know, being a temporary worker, and and then getting permanent status. And they use they use that to create a two class system. It was a fascinating conversation. Again, I can't wait to have it again. And what a great what a great dude. So please support Matt, and please support any struggling workers. There are solidarity funds. Uh, the Ragtag Band, at Ragtag Band, has a list of solidarity funds and different strikes that are occurring and different unions that are trying to unionize and file with the NLRB all over the country. Uh, so, again, shout out to all those guys. And uh, I'm really sorry, Matt. It's You're, you're getting done dirty, and, and you don't deserve this bullshit. And I hope that your union stands up for your rights and for worker rights all over the country. So would be nice. Uh all right, all right. Care Bear. Yeah, please see yeah, Care Bear, this Collins sharing it. Uh RLA, Radical Leftist Agenda. What's happening? Welcome on the Twitch side. We are we are live on Twitch. We're live on Telegram. We're live on Odyssey. We're live on Rumble. On INN Rumble. Rumble.com slash indie news network. I believe that's the uh the URL to get to our page. And you can you can search, of course, indie news network. But um, our channel, Independent Left News, we actually have three channels on Rumble. We have one for Independent Left News, and mostly that's the daily updates. We have one for How Do We Miss That, and that's all of our clips from all the shows that, that from every episode back to episode three. And I also created a channel recently for the Friends of Indie Left show so that all the full interviews and any clips from there will be uploaded there in one central place. And it gives you a reason to kind of go to Rumble and gives a little bit of distinction of what Rumble does differently from everybody else. So, Sunday, um, Sunday, Sunday, we're live on the Rumble. Nice. It's the Royal Rumble and the Rumble. All right. So, uh, we're already up to our last story. This is good. We got about 20 minutes to go. Again, I wish Misty were here for this. Um, but we need to cover it. We need to talk about it. So, on October 8th, there will be a worldwide event where there will be a human chain um, kind of trying to hold hands and connect around. They're doing it around Parliament. Human chain around Parliament, okay. I, I believe, in UK. That's what started this. And it was, well, we want to create, you know, what about solidarity rallies all over the all over the world? So, free Julian Assange, free Julian Assange now, no extradition, and we're... Doing this, I, I don't even remember what the anniversary is. Um, maybe when when the next thing is scheduled for. But Misty organized another event in front of the Department of Justice in um, in October for October eighth. And I'm hearing your thing in my ear again. But so we're going to talk. I was hearing myself what? in your ear cups. I don't know. Oh, a little echo. Sorry. So I did want to talk a little bit about an update to what's happened in the Julian Assange case. And again, I didn't really hear very many people talking about this this week, but we had a pretty big thing happen in former CIA Joshua Shaw officer. And again, we are not a big fan of the CIA. 
However, this is the guy that they blamed and pinned leaking and providing information to WikiLeaks to Julian Assange for the Vault 7 leaks um, back in 2017. This is written by John Kiriakou, who's a well-known, also a CIA agent who was prosecuted and jailed. Um, so what he says was that a federal jury in New York last month convicted former CIA officer Joshua Schulte on nine felony counts under the Espionage Act for providing information to WikiLeaks that became known as Vault 7. He has constantly denied, consistently denied that he was the source. Two years ago, he was convicted of the two of on two of the original eleven charges, while the jury hung on the remaining nine. The most recent trial, trial in which he represented himself, was on those nine counts, and he now faces as many as eighty years in prison. He is yet to be tried on a state child on state trial pornography. Schulte is yet to be tried on state child pornography charges. What? Nice recovery. Yeah, thanks. Prosecutors had literally no evidence that he had taken the data from CIA and transferred it to WikiLeaks, but they contended that he was a computer genius who was so brilliant that he was able to cover his tracks. Uh, what? They think yep. this is an 80s movie. They alleged... They alleged that he leaked the information because he was a disgruntled former CIA employee who hated his boss, couldn't get along with his co-workers, and sought revenge against the agency, and that was enough for the jury. What? Come yeah. on, we need jury. We, we need Jimmy on that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, this is what, this is a sketch because obviously they're not allowing cameras into the courtroom. CIA Deputy Director for Digital Innovation, Sean Roche, called the Vault 7 leak a digital Pearl Harbor. Chief Prosecutor mm. Damien Williams said that revelations were, quote, one of the most brazen and damaging acts of espionage in American history, and Vice Magazine said it was the worst leak of CIA information ever. Well, okay, but if he didn't do it, CIA leadership apparently thought the leak was so damaging that then-CIA Director Mike Pompeo ordered the agency to come up with a plan to kidnap or kill Julian Assange in London. One former mm -hmm. Trump administration national security official said that Pompeo and other senior CIA leaders were completely detached from reality because they were so embarrassed about Vault 7, they were seeing blood. And that's Spain, right? That's calling for that? Yes. And like one other country? There's like two countries doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I know we covered one um, on INN News when it happened. Yep. Um, that Spain wanted to extradite. Uh, Mike Pompeo. Pompeo. Well, not Pompeo. They didn't want to extradite him, but they 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 did want to uh, they want him to testify in the UC Global yes. case. All the major media outlets yes. reported on the finalization of his case. What they haven't reported on though is is exactly what he was accused of leaking in the first place. What did we learn from Vault Seven? Oh, let me mm. go back, 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 back. I skipped one. Vault 7 was a series of 24 collections of documents totaling hundreds of thousands of pages that included the most sophisticated computer hacking, surveillance, and cyber warfare tools that the CIA ever developed. WikiLeaks published mm -hmm. the, first, the first tranche called Year Zero on March 7, 2017. Just this first installment contained more information than all of that released by Edward Snowden and included vulnerabilities known to the CIA within web browsers, including Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge, Firefox, and Opera, and the operating systems of most of the world's cell phones, including iOS and Android. Yeesh. All right. Now, uh, there is a video here, and I did want to bring that up, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to play this. You may or may not be able to hear it, Reefer. Okay. I hear it. Nice. TV. What is a TV in a fake off mode? The TV's microphone is still active, allowing conversations to be recorded and sent to the CIA via the internet. If they're not sitting in your living room. Mobile devices. Hacks that intercept data from encrypted apps.
control over popular smartphones, allowing to be sent to the CIA. Geolocation, audio, text, plus covert activation of the phone's camera and microphone. According to WikiLeaks, 1.15 billion Android-powered phones were sold in 2016. Android accounted for shit. 85%. It's going too fast! It's going too fast! Modern cars, right. Isn't that nice? Okay. Thank you so much, yep. CIA. So, that's what they can do. And that's what Vault 7 does and did. So, the fact that CIA knew about these vulnerabilities and didn't inform the companies was a violation of a long-standing policy that the agency claims to have that it would assist U.S. tech companies with their security if it learned of security weaknesses. Hmm. Why would they do such a thing? Instead, it exploited those problems in its digital operations. We have no idea if the agency used these vulnerabilities to spy on Americans. <laughs> Ashley Gorsky, an ACLU staff attorney, said at the time, quote, Our government should be working to help the company, the companies patch vulnerabilities when they're discovered, not stockpile them. <laughs> A second Vault 7 revelation came on March 23, 2017, and included accounts of CIA efforts to hack Apple's iPhones and Mac computers. Mm. Additional tranches were released every week or two until September 2017, making them crazy. The revelations included proof that the CIA was able to hack into cars, computer systems, and could take over control of the vehicle, like you saw in the video. Was the purpose of this to force the vehicle off the road, off a cliff, into a tree? CIA never commented. Still, other documents showed how CIA officers could take over an unsuspecting person's smart TV and turn its speaker into a microphone to surreptitiously bug a room, even while the television appears to be turned off. Yet, other documents showed that CIA was running digital ops against the NSA. <laughs> it's mm. unclear whether this was done as an exercise between the two agencies or if it was something more sinister. And we'll never know. It was an exercise, don't you know? Other revelations were that the CIA had created a program to track documents transferred by would-be whistleblowers to media outlets. The program is called Scribblers. That's malware that can take over and control computers using Microsoft Windows 10 operating system, which is called Athena. Ooh. And malware that can be transferred from one clean computer to another through internal systems that are otherwise protected by antivirus software called Pandemic, interestingly enough. Fun. Schulte's revelations were not limited to software. He also revealed a program called Hammer Drill that injects a Trojan horse onto CDs and DVDs and then documents information on the disks for later transmission to CIA. An operation called Dark Matter revealed security vulnerabilities unique to Apple operating systems, and Schulte revealed that the CIA had compromised vulnerabilities in a huge range of Cisco systems router models. Cisco, yeah. Apple and Cisco spent untold millions of dollars to redesign their products and correct the security flaws. Despite sure. the fact... Despite the fact that this was supposedly the worst breach in the, the history of the CIA, Schulte and his revelations did not get much press play. What a surprise. They don't want to scare the shit out of people and tell them exactly what the CIA can do. There are likely yep. they're here. There are several likely reasons for this. First, he claimed innocence. He insisted that he wasn't a whistleblower, and he's maintained throughout his ordeal that he didn't provide WikiLeaks with anything. What the fuck? Second, state of New York simultaneously with the federal charges charged him with multiple counts of child pornography, which has given many of his natural supporters pause. Wow, a sex scandal, which gets people to shy away from it. Wow, where did we see something like that? Like, literally this weekend. Prosecutors maintain that they only discovered the pornography when they seized the computer hard drives in Schulte's apartment, 
While looking for Volt's severed information, his defense of the child pornography charges will be that he considers himself to be a libertarian anarchist and that he set up a server to allow people unfettered free speech, something akin to the 4chan and 8chan servers. He maintains that he has not received or disseminated any child pornography personally. However, when child pornographers saw that his server supported unfettered free speech, they used it to trade illegal images and videos. He's adamant that none of it was his. He, his protestations likely won't matter. I'm of two minds on Shashua Schulte. Okay, again, this is, this is John Kiriakou saying this. On the one hand, the American people have a right to know what the government is doing in their name, especially if what the government is doing is illegal. On the other hand, he's adamant that he's not the person who provided WikiLeaks with the information. Does that mean we walk away from him and celebrate an anonymous whistleblower? Either way, one of the things he feels strongly about is the treatment that Schulte has endured. He has literally been held in barbaric conditions over the past two years, kept in a literal cage in solitary confinement at the MCC in Brooklyn, New York. That's called SAMS, Special Administrative Measures. You're going to see, hear about this in a minute. Now that he's been convicted, he'll likely be placed in a special administrative unit or a communications management unit in a maximum security or supermax penitentiary. The government will seek to cut him off from the rest of the world for as long as possible. That alone should be worth our interest and disgust. Yeah. And it is. And we are interested and we are disgusted. And I appreciate John Kiriakou for bringing out the story. Yeah. Um, this guy's being persecuted. This guy's being set up. This guy didn't give WikiLeaks anything, even though they claim that he did, but they can't provide any evidence that he did at all. The child pornography thing is totally suspicious. Again, that's like saying I set up a Discord server and somebody in my server placed child pornography on it, so therefore I'm now a child pornographer. No, right. that's not how this works. So, who's John Kiriakou? John was a CIA analyst and case officer officer from 1990 to 2004. In December of 07, he was the first U.S. government official to confirm that waterboarding was used to interrogate Al-Qaeda al prisoners, a practice that he described as torture, which we all describe as torture. He was a former senior mm -hmm. investigator to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and a former counterterrorism consultant. While employed with CIA, he was in involved in critical counterterrorism missions following the terrorist attacks of September 11th but refused to be trained in so-called enhanced interrogation techniques, nor did he ever authorize or engage in such crimes. After leaving CIA, he appeared on ABC News in an interview with Brian Ross, during which he became the first former CIA officer to confirm the existence of the CIA's torture program. His interview revealed that this practice was not just the result of a few rogue agents, but was official U.S. policy approved at the highest levels of government. Kiriakou is the sole CIA agent to go to jail in connection with the, U with the U.S. torture program, despite the fact that he never tortured anyone. Rather, he blew a whistle on this horrific wrongdoing because the guilty don't go to jail, the people who tell the story do. Mm -hmm. And this brings us back to Julian Assange. And our friend Randy Credico. And I want to shout out uh, what Who's he's Randy, what he's been Sorry. doing, sexual chocolate. Um, <laughs> I knew where you were going, Brandon Watson. Yeah, it's, no, it's it's YMH. Oh, okay. Oh, the um, the Randy thing. Okay, right. I got you. It's Where's a long Randy? story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got you. So yeah. we're not we're not gonna get to that. I, everybody, everybody, check out yes. your mom's house and uh and 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 um where my mom's at. And they're a lot of fun. Tom Segura, Christina P. Um, they're and our a comic relief. About Andrew Tate, which that that guy's pertinent right now. So they're our comic relief. Like is. yeah. Uh, so I love what Randy Credico is doing. Time to step up for the First Amendment and WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, comedian Randy Credico, puts billboards defending Assange on panel truck roaming DC. This is in. This was published in This Can't Be Happening by our friend Dave Lindorf, who's great, by the way. I love This Can't Be Happening, and I love Dave Lindorf. He's awesome. So, U.S. journalists and media organizations that made great use of Julian Assange's exposés of, of U.S. war crimes in Afghanistan and Iraq are silent or hostile 
as he is now pursued by a fascist U.S. national security apparatus hell-bent on locking him up for decades for exposing these crimes. And there's a website you can go to there. So, Randy Credico, comic-turned-activist, is standing up for Julian Assange, okay, who's facing extradition from the U.K. by a U.S. security state and, and a series of presidents obsessed with punishing him through the hoary, I like that word, Police State Espionage Act for the crime, quote-unquote, of exposing U.S. war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. Unable to sit idly by like so many of the news organizations and prominent journalists who wrote Assange's revelations to those crimes to high, and those, of those crimes to high writings and newspaper readership, but who now do nothing to defend him or even write hostile articles as the U.S. discusses ways to assassinate him in London and then, failing that, pressure a pliant British government and judiciary to hand him over to the tender mercies of the U.S. judicial system and prison system Randy has been using his own money to put moving billboards on the side of panel trucks to roam around Washington, D.C., broadcasting this atrocity. Again, I wish Misty were here because Misty's one of the people that's been shouting this out. Misty also did a whole Billboards for Assange campaign last year and raised a bunch of money and took out some billboards there. I know that Randy also attended the Roger Waters concert that happened in, I believe it was Raleigh or Charlotte, North Carolina this week and also had billboards happening on the way to the concert. Love this guy. Yep. Good shit. He also was, didn't he do that? He, he, he was the guy that like, he did he the stand-ups. Like one of the journalists, uh, like the correspondence dinner one time or something like that. Right. Yep. And he also um, has been organizing the stand-ups for Assange in New York and DC. Uh, again, yep. save the date. Washington, D.C., October 8th, noon Eastern to 2 p.m. There's going to be, they're going to scream with with uh, megaphones at the, hall of, uh, at the halls of justice. At the U.S. Department oh, of Justice. justice. That's right. Well, yep. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, Misty's going it's to be yelling like at Miller Garland. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that's like on do? a Thursday. It or is very fun to do. Like I, that. It's I like that. Yes, the comedian um, organizing this is Randy Credico. Okay. Uh, live on the fly with Randy Credico. He's been doing shows for years. He's on the radio. He does comedy. He does a little bit of music. Like like him a lot. And he's been one of the staunchest Assange supporters stand up, standing up for Julian. So, uh, again, shout out to a guy who's in the chat right now. His name's Big Mac Crab. He actually created this flyer and image and uh everybody steps the up biggest baddest crap everybody steps up when it comes to to doing what we can to to free julian assange and to get the word out and it's honestly one of the biggest things i think that unites a lot of us at this point is is all of our desire to a right this wrong and this persecution and see this man freed and and again I wish Misty were here. She could speak so much more eloquently on it than I can. Um, and I've spoken on it extensively. But free, free Julian Assange now. Yep. And that's all the stories that Indy had for this week. So I'm going to remind nice. everybody of all the different URLs and websites that we've got going on. <clears throat> we do have IndyLeft.News and IndyLeft.com, which also directs the same thing as well as independentleft.news. Those all three go to the main website, which, by the way, this show is also airing on so that it is platform independent and we are self-hosting on there. Uh, independentleft.media is our link tree where you can find all of our wonderful links so that you can get everywhere. Uh, leftist.today is is the substack. We do publish a substack to let everybody know so that you can email, subscribe, and get around the YouTube algorithm. We'll let you know when we're going live. I've also been publishing a six-pack of the of some top videos that you can check out every day that have embeds right once in a while. Not sure how we're going to be doing the six pack moving forward. Um, so that's leftist.today or leftisttoday.com. Then we have the bongfather.cloud and that is the indie left, the, uh, the indie left store. So you can actually buy bongfather merch on there. And then we have, of course, indienews.network. And you can see that we are INN members. Indienews.network is a collaborative collection of 23 awesome independent content creators of which of course we are one and reef there's another one um and check us all out 
subscribe to our channels, support independent media. We appreciate everybody doing that. So again, for, for tonight, this is Indy saying question everyone's motivations, and we will see you next Sunday night. Keep listening to what little birds have to tell you, everybody. Good night. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure That lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry They both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say? So I try to If you like this podcast Please help our show grow by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. For more content, you can follow Independent Left News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at INDLeftNews and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To get news updates twice a day to your inbox, subscribe via email on the independentleft.news website. Join our Jetstream 24-7 News and Opinion Discord at independentleft.gg with more than 50 channels, each dedicated to a different outlet, journalist, YouTuber, or political comedian. Thanks, everyone. Remember to check out independentleft.news in your browser and subscribe to our podcast for news updates.